0: Makers, This is Angie Powers. This is Elizabeth Stark. And this is Storymakers Show. And today we get to talk with Juan Davis, who is a filmmaker. And I had the privilege of meeting Juan on the set of Remember Me, uh, which was filmed in the Bay Area and Berkeley. And um, Last May. Last June. May. May, June. Um, yeah, and Juan was just an amazing guy to talk to and... Very even-keeled and mellow. Big smile. Yeah. And so when we started to sit down and talk about filmmaking and the writing process, uh, he gave us some great insights into horror, which was my original kind of shock about Juan. He's
1: multifaceted. (laughs) Not who you think of as as having this uh, fabulously... Creepy dark imagination, yeah. <laughs> um, and he has a current film out right now that's
0: been in several film festivals called Rebel Child. And you can go to his website, Juan-Davis.com, to find out where it's playing locally and to get more information about his films.
1: And just to say that one isn't horror.
0: No, that is not horror. It
1: taps into the sort of real life horror of of war and violence, but it's not. It's not that same that's not not that genre genre. you will see this this guy has range he really does because he does documentary too so we talk about all of that in this episode excellent Also, please join us, Angie and I, for a book reading from Spirit of the Wolves, uh, the final volume of Dorothy Hearst's Important and Compelling Trilogy. So she's going to be reading from that. And then we're going to do a live Storymakers podcast. This is Monday, May 2nd at 7 p.m. at Books, Inc. in Berkeley. And we're also going to have our previous podcast guest, Sylvia Lindstedt who wrote Wonderments of the East Bay, uh, which is a heyday book uh, nonfiction about the natural... The Wonderments of the East Bay. That's what it's about. And so the four of us are going to discuss the importance of stories we tell about the natural world and our place in it and how the power of story can change the world for better or for worse we're going to talk about yeah. the interventions of story and moving away from a human centric yes. the, the story other model. the more than human world and it's be
0: but a- what we're talking about right now and who we're talking with is juan davis Fabulous. so sit back relax and learn a little something about the range of juan davis so first of all welcome juan good to see you
2: thanks glad to be here
1: I, um <laughs> the we start each podcast with talking about what we're doing so elizabeth do you want to model i will begin i am actually i printed out my novel again which all right yeah it makes me feel a little bad for the trees but i i needed that hard (laughs) copy and i'm going through and every page i have to i cannot turn it until i'm ready to send it to my group as is so it's like Uh, done enough And it's I'm loving that I love that constraint and I'm just and it makes me write stuff even if it's not good just like okay I got to fill something in I fill it in and I'm um, plowing ahead as fast as I can.
2: All right.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm actually excited to talk to you about uh, short film structure and that mm-hmm. sort of thing because I'm also trying to get a, a short film done prior to launching into. I'm hoping to shoot a. I keep saying hoping. I am shooting a feature length film <laughs> in <right>. September. Um, <laughs> but we have some kind of unusual production processes. And so I wanted to shoot a film, a short film ahead of that. So I've been thinking a lot about short film structure and okay.
1: storytelling. So
0: yeah.
1: you know, I, <laughs> it'll be really fun to talk to Juan about these things. Yes. And what are you working on?
2: Um, well, right now I'm actually working on a feature too trying to get a feature um done yeah I just finished uh, doing like the final revision for like for the draft for the for the script mm-hmm. and I just shot it out to some people in, in LA hopefully
0: nice uh, we'll
2: all be doing a feature film so <laughs>
1: okay. so can you talk a little bit about that revision process that you just went through how do you, how um, did you know it was done what what's how many revisions did you go through?
2: Oh, I did, I did about probably about six revisions. It's like I, I did a, I, I did a rough draft first and I went through and I like read through it like all the way through, um, made corrections, went back, read it out loud actually. Mm-hmm. That works for me very well like when I read things out loud like that that helps with uh, me a lot with the dialogue you know making sure that the dialogue is cool do
1: you do different <laughs> voices Are you like acting it out
2: oh yeah I, I act it out myself I would be like yeah hey I'm the I'm the, the uh, damsel in distress and then I'll be the <laughs> and then I'll be the villain guy and I'll talk you know like whatever it's, but it's it's it really works out well when I act it out myself cuz that way I already see how it's going to flow like when you know when when other actors read it yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> have you done any table reads yet
2: oh uh, no i haven't not yet yeah so you're still you're... in uh, like early stages of that of that one
1: mhm what do you find you capture in the first draft like what stuck through the six drafts and what changed the most
2: well i normally i have a, a whole process so i would um, pretty much i would do i would write down the story i would do like a whole summarized story and i would write it all out So I know exactly how the story is going to go before I even start writing. I do my character descriptions. I will go in and I will like know everything that I want to know about every one of my characters, what they would do in each situation. You know, like I will go out and like, oh, yeah, this character would if he was to go drunk, you know, he would do this (laughs) and he would do that, you know. So I I do that. And then I I outline my whole script. Every scene is outlined to where I I have a summary of what's going to happen in that scene. Then I go back. And then I start the writing process, you know, like, because now I have everything that I need to write, take notes. Like, I, I took a lot of notes while I was writing. I t- took a lot of notes after I finished, you know. it's uh, It was just like a strenuous process. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it sounds like a strenuous process. Yeah. <laughs> it is, right. But the yeah. note-taking, I was just listening to a couple of writers talk about how, taking notes and notes. Yeah. And it was really, because I do that all the time, and it doesn't mm-hmm. always feel... Like, oh, yeah, this is part of the process, but it really Yeah,
2: is. yeah it is. <laughs> a lot of notes, a lot of research and everything. You know, like mm-hmm. if I have a character that's a police officer, I want to research to know about the procedures that a police officer would do in a certain situation so that it's more realistic and it's believable. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of t- yeah. <laughs>
0: so in... um Lose prey. Did you read okay. uh, uh But uh, I don't want to give away yes, the ending. Quiet, uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll have all the links here. In the, yeah. But you know, there there was some research that could have gone in. Uh, there was very specific bad guy behavior oh, in yeah. there, Um with the many different bad guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I you know I'm going to make a gesture here again. I don't. You know, we can we can say that there's some very Physically intense bad guy behavior. That is, again, <laughs> to be really vague, specific to a, a kind of character. What made you think, you know what, my, this bad guy in this situation would do this thing? So how did mm-hmm. that come to you?
2: Um. Well, I, I Louis Prey was a little different. That was one <laughs> of my earlier projects. So I, I wasn't as like, I, I guess I could say I wasn't as thorough with, you know, like, Mapping everything out mm. the way that I did, like on the, my other films, mm. but Louis Prey. Um, these were like, ideas I had from like a long period of time. I, I actually came up with the idea for Louis Prey when I was an undergrad, and then like after I graduated, like uh, I ended up doing that when I moved here. Mm. So.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's but compelling, and it's an
1: interesting story, too. Yeah, um. So yeah, that's and a- it does not shy away from the sort of dark side of life. Yet.
2: Yeah, it's very dark. What <laughs>
1: genre is the feature.
2: Um, the feature is going to be a, it's a horror. It's a horror feature.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was suddenly uh-huh. thinking you were going to go maybe quirky indie. Yeah. But, um- yeah no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's actually horror. Um, it's actually um the feature that i that I just finished is an extension to the movie Easy Lick. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much it's the uh, feature version of that.
1: Ah, yeah.
2: So it digs a, a little premise. lot deeper. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, yeah, creepy. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: that was again very specific. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting though, because you we looking at that, and then you have your documentary Peacekeepers, mm-hmm. and then you have Rebel Child, which is is currently making the rounds, right? Um, El- yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That one is not a horror film. Although yeah. it's funny because it shares certain qualities. I mean, yeah. it's, it's certainly dealing with violence and psychology, and mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
2: Well, um, well, I can say, like, uh, there was, I, I had like this intervention <laughs> before I made those, those films. It's like I was, I got accepted into um, a Hollywood festival oh. and, with Lose Prey. Huh. <laughs> so there was actually right before my film, before Lou's play, pray, pray, play. There was this documentary about these kids in uh, middle school and how they were being mentored and all of this, you know. And then here comes Lou's pray. <laughs> 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 like, what,
1: was the, what was the topic for that? Like. Showing. Program. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, it was actually uh, a, a program for children, helping them, um, helping them get through school. Some of the, no, but I mean, like, like,
1: like the, when, when, when yours, they paired it, when the programmers, yeah, paired they paired it. Then yeah. <laughs> but, what was the topic supposed to be? Like, what was the, oh,
2: well, topic? they didn't actually have a specific topic yeah, I guess because it was like random, but I was like, wow, wow. would they do me <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I felt so bad that I felt like, I mean, a pit in my stomach. I was like, Oh my God, here comes <laughs> like the first scene with this guy you know like snorting cocaine and i'm like oh my god He's Like I <laughs> felt so bad
1: i love it
2: so after that i decided to do like do a couple positive do a positive thing so i did the um the documentary the peacemakers documentary
1: oh
0: interesting okay yeah no do- yeah that's a beautiful documentary
2: oh uh, thanks <laughs>
0: um and a wonderful and inspiring message and i think that um it's kind of interesting looking at, again, going back to sort of rebel child and mm-hmm. speaking the, the, you did so much with no dialogue in that film. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And, Beautiful. Uh, yeah. So the image, so talk to us a little bit about that. Like you're taking, I think for filmmakers, just, just to back mm-hmm. up a little bit, it's very easy to get stuck in the text if you're a writer. Mm-hmm. And obviously when you wrote this, you were very focused on. The, the visuals and how oh, yeah. your story through very well chosen visual moments. So, what's that process like for you?
2: Okay. Um. Well. Uh. Event. Like initially, it was there was supposed to be dialogue. Um. There was supposed to be. Uh. There were a lot more scenes. There was dialogue. There was a lot of things. But the difficulty for me to find like some. Uh a child actor for one that spoke the native language of what I was trying to do was, um, was very difficult. (laughs) And also um, there were times, there were, we, we wanted a certain amount of money for our budget, but we didn't reach that goal of getting that amount of money for that budget. So it turned out that it would be easier for me to be able to pull off for us, like my crew and us to pull off everything with no dialogue, because that made it uh, more, that made it, possible for us to make it more artistic, like an artistic style with um, with doing the film
0: mm-hmm. that
2: way, instead of like having any dialogue. I was like, we could still tell the story. We just don't, and we didn't, and it cut out a lot of time.
1: Mm-hmm. And it
2: also, <laughs> I think it came out like a lot better without the dialogue, mm-hmm. you know? Really <laughs> yeah.
1: powerful. You're dependent on the image.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It depends on the, the image and the sound did a yeah. lot to, you know, like.
1: Just that, that final, I mean,
0: that final click yeah is is so significant in how you use sound setting that up right we don't yeah. use that until we have the silence to really hear it it's it's' it's interesting
1: yeah. I noticed that on one of your films you you did the mute the soundtrack i think yourself, uh-huh. and that and then in all of them the soundtrack was really strong and and a compelling part of it. Can you talk about the use of music in your films and
2: um well i actually in a- uh <laughs> A couple of my films I used, um, Jonathan Gollin, he's like a really, really great uh, sound guy. He uh, did the sound design for my first couple of films. Um, for the Peacemakers, that I actually went in and did all of the sound myself. Like before, I was a filmmaker. I actually, I did. I used to make beats, make music. Mm. So it's like I have this huge library of, of like music that I haven't used for anything. So a lot of times I'll go back, even when I'm like editing someone else's film, or some people sometimes they come to me and they ask me for music for their films, and I have like this huge library. So I normally go out and I, I just like help them out and use that. Um, Perfect. I think sound is very important. Like my last film, Laurie, I had I I was fortunate to get in, um, introduced to Laurie Brodnax. Uh, this uh, he's a sound uh, design. He was a sound design major at the same school that I was going to, and he did like he he did like a phenomenal job with the sound on Rebel Child. Like I was when he when I, he gave it back to me, it was like it was a different film almost wow. altogether because the sound was just so. Like so great, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so in those, we see the we see in you know, we see a transition of a character. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about short film structure versus that feature structure, uh-huh. do you feel like that kind of change always happens? What What are your thoughts on short film narrative and and what differentiates it um, from other forms?
2: Well, um, I would say in short film narrative. The setup—it's a lot. The setup is a lot different because you don't have time to really set up your character mm-hmm. and then go into the whole spiel, the backstory of why your character did this and all that. All you pretty much have to tell your story as quickly, like as quickly as possible. Like, but get everything, get everything important into your story. But you have to do it in a short amount of time. So I just think that that's very
0: any it, for that. <laughs> and you're like well this is a great way to get a whole bunch of story into three seconds
2: okay well uh (laughs) what have you
1: learned
2: i i I tend to like to start like with my films to start like uh to win the 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 action of the film would, would would happen like the most important plot theme or whatever the most important part of the story um it's it's good to hit them, hit the audience right away, you know, like to let them, to keep them interested in what's about to happen in the film. But, uh, a lot of times with short, with short films, they don't, the they they don't have an ending that ties it up because you know, you don't have the time to, to be able to do that. I mean, I, uh, I don't know short film was something like that. I started before, like a few years ago, I was, writing a lot of feature stuff, and it was just like, you know, uh, I I had time to set up everything. I had time to set up my characters and and, and everything. But then when I was, had the challenge of trying to do a film in 12 minutes, um, I just pretty much just did it and tried to figure, you know, like writing. I still use the Hero's Journey, um, a lot of other things, you know, that you would use to tell your story, but I did it like very quickly. I don't know how to (laughs) really explain it,
1: but. So you're you're kind of hitting those points, but you're just doing them like one after the next.
2: Oh yeah, it's just like, yeah, I'm trying to hit the points as fast as possible Mm -hmm. to be able to tell my story in in a short amount of time. Just like with Rubble Child, there was a lot of different stuff that happened in those like the little 10 minutes that the film was, but I had to get everything, I had to get my point across all in that little bit of amount of time, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So sometimes you have to switch, have your structure changed around. It's you can't have like. It's some, sometimes you can do go linear, but a lot of times with short films, it's good to be able to you know jump around.
1: Yeah, <laughs> now you have an editing background too. Does that yeah. help you with like how to do? What don't
0: you do in film? <laughs> <Just like
2: there>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've actually done a lot. So I mean, I just, I just, I've been blessed to to have the experience to work on a lot of different um, projects and be able to do, to have the knowledge to be able to do a lot of different things. And I think it helps also um, when, especially when you're directing, if you know about all of the different. The, the, the different uh, job titles and all the different things that everyone's responsible for because then you can go and you can talk to your DP and know what lenses you would need for a certain situation or go and uh talk to a lighting person and be like well, um, you know, you want shadows here or, or something like that and just know a little bit, have a knowledge so that people will actually list, be able to listen to you because they know that you know what you're talking about.
0: Well so, also, I think that like what's really struck me uh, when we worked on Remember Me, oh, yeah. how physically demanding a lot of the jobs are. And it's not oh, yeah. apparent to people who are, you know, let's say above the line. Like it's not clear to everybody uh, who is in the director seat, if you haven't yeah. worked before, how physically demanding and how much stress there is on the rest of the crew. Cause oh, we're yeah. often so focused on our own like vision or whatever. Oh, and yeah. I think that's another key piece to running a happy cruise is, is having respect for the work that, that
2: everyone is pulling in that moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, I started I started out as an editor, you know, so it's like um, a lot of times, like I wouldn't even like be on set at first. Like I would just get the footage and it's like, okay, edit the film. And then like I started wanting to go and see more about what's going on on set. And and then I, I, um, pretty much I lucked up getting hooked up with when I was in Atlanta with uh, this um, media production group. Uh, where I ended up being able to do, like, a lot of different productions, like, shooting, doing, like, everything. And I was like, uh, (laughs) that was when I got, like, most of my experience, you know, just, like, being out there on different sets and seeing what everyone was doing, you know.
1: So in terms of editing, I'm really interested, like, uh, David Mamet has this book called On Directing, and I I think Mm -hmm. taking it from, like, Eisenstein, but talking about, like, juxtaposing things and the story that happens, like, between... The images and mm-hmm. stuff. So um, can you talk about like what you've learned from, from editing, from like getting you know, how, how the, the things g- jump or go next to each other?
2: Yeah, that's that's something that I learned a lot from from editing um, that actually helped it, it transitioned well for like doing other, other positions. It's just it, it helps as an editor because you know what you need next. You know, like, you know, how, how you want to cut things together. Um, you know, like how things transition. And that's a good thing too, because, you know, like a lot of times like just getting from one scene to the next, the transitions, you know, like as an editor, you you like kind of learn a lot about you know, how <laughs> a good way to transition something or, you know, like also, yeah, shot selection mm-hmm. um a lot of things because when I first started editing, I would get a lot of projects and they would all like, they would be missed they wouldn't have all the footage that I needed. Right. Uh, there was a lot of different things. Like I was like, okay, I want you to make this happen, but I don't, but you don't have the footage to, to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so all I need so, to do is flip it around, play it backwards <laughs> and we'll do some ADR. It'll be fine. <laughs>
2: oh yeah yeah like we're fixing in post they say yeah. we're fixing in post and then you get to post it's like how can you fix this you know yeah.
1: <laughs> this is a mm. problem we do not have with like writing fiction because you just like mm. get the scene again on your page yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah mm. but i think um it is interesting and i had a
0: friend in one of my writing classes who is an editor in australia
2: mm-hmm. and
0: you could tell that she had that skill set because her transitions were so creative and so yeah. specific. And you know, so <laughs> you, you, you can imagine you, you're still in this one scene and the sound, you know, so she's doing like audio cuts, like implied, you know, none of the people who are coming from it just from writing yeah. that. It's like, I don't know. I'm just in another room now. But she's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing these ideas together. And you're like, oh,
1: uh, that's
0: yeah. how you do that.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so. so
1: why yeah. horror? How, what, what draws you to Horror.
2: Oh, I always liked horror. Even since I was a child, I was a kid watching, like, Nightmare on M Street and Friday the 13th and all those those films, like, back in the day. It was always something that drew me to horror. I don't know why, but I've always liked I just thought it was, like, I always laughed and thought things like horror films were funny. But I don't, I mean, I don't, that... That doesn't make me, like, a crazy... Right, you're, like, not go Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, it was
1: but, funny because we were talking about, like, one is, like, so, like, grounded and smiling and, like, and then, and then it's, like, movies <laughs> and they're, like, oh, dark and <laughs> scary.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I used to read a lot of Stephen King novels, like, when I was growing up, too. So it's just, like, I was always attracted to these, like, these just... These p- situations to where people would be in these situations, and like, oh my god, like, what would I do, like, in that crazy situation? And it just—I've always just been attracted to that whole horror genre type thing. And you know, it's—it's it's really rare, I guess, like, because there aren't like a lot of African American horror f- filmmakers. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, <laughs>
0: and that's interesting. It's curious, like, why yeah. you—you know—I um, don't know. I was talking to Elizabeth and. You know, having gone through UC Santa Cruz, we, of course, analyzed, uh, you know, like, everything, yes. But it was interesting to see kind of you know, what people are saying with their films. And so one of the critiques was kind of that horror films came out of this sort of policing of young women's sexuality. Mm-hmm. And um, and I would just be interesting. So as, uh, you know, bringing African-American aesthetics to your... Horror film? Do you think that you're shifting some stuff up, making new space? What do you think is? Uh- um.
2: Well, I think I think I'm um, like what I'm trying to do is just I want to do something different, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people do like even with like horror films. Like, there, everything's always pretty much the same structure, the little damsel in stress running through the woods. And, oh, she trips over a log and <laughs> killer comes and same old, same old. Yeah, you know, like, I, I just want to do something different because it's kind of like with Easy Lick, I'm like tapping into a whole different different um thing with like prisoners being becoming like inmates being the victims of these crazy uh, people that you wouldn't. St- people that you would think they would be strong in these situations, mm. put them in a situation and, and see how they would react. You know, so I kind of want to. I try to kind of trying to change things up and do a little di- whole different thing. Create my whole a whole new way of telling a story.
0: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's Love awesome. It. I have to say, I'm not sure how soon I will ever have stew again. But <laughs> <laughs> it's funny
1: that we were just interviewing yeah. an up um, and coming agent, somebody who's like becoming an agent, um, and she is really interested in like YA horror, like tor- horror for teens. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. so it's just it's just kind of coincidental that like you know you are you're our next interview, and it, and somehow like horror is this. Theme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you were also in the military, is that right?
2: Uh yes, yeah. I was in the um Air Force for like six years.
1: Oh wow. wow. Were you in the Middle East?
2: Um well yeah, I did I did a couple tours in um, Saudi Arabia. Um I did a tour in Kuwait. Um yeah, I've been like Germany, a lot of different places, a lot of different mm-hmm. countries, Italy. So, yeah, so that's one thing that like, when I was in the military, I did get to experience like seeing a lot of different other cultures and mm-hmm. things like that. So <laughs>
1: did, that factor, did that experience factor into
2: Rebel Child? Uh Yeah, I, uh, Rebel Child, I think, was influenced a lot from just me being like in mm-hmm. the Air Force and being in like different countries, mm-hmm. like just seeing like the people in different countries and just how... A lot of people were just like you know, like we were. They just had a different culture. They are just like us. We're all like human beings. When it's all said and done, we're mm-hmm. all human beings. So regardless of what our, what we are, our religious separation, our preference, whatever, you know, like we're all human beings, and and that sort of kind of made me want to do a story from a perspective of a human being that does, normally doesn't have a voice to mm-hmm. you know, to tell his story. So.
1: Yeah, How, what's the reception been? I mean, sitting in the audience with people or talking about it after? Um,
2: well, I actually haven't ha- had any bad. <laughs> so far, I haven't had a bad experience. Every Mostly everyone really lo- loves the film. They tell me, like, yeah, you know, it's very relevant to what's going on mm-hmm. in today's society. And um, a lot of different just one one um, screening I actually had. I, I had to screen that film. Right, a day after the Paris attacks mm. and a festival, and I was like, "Oh, should I just pull it?" Because I was like, "Ah, oh, you know, I was thinking maybe I should pull this, you know." And I was, and then I was like, "No, I'm gonna go for it. We're gonna, we're gonna go ahead and, and screen it." Yeah. And when we got there, like they had the 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 uh, MC came up to the stage and they was like, "Well, yeah, all of the views of some of these films are going to be very sensitive, but they basically were talking about about Rebel Child." Yeah, you know? <laughs> but it was a day after after the Paris attacks, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know if I should should screen it." And we ended up winning, Ooh, um, nice. winning the festival. Like, yeah. so I was like, and the people weren't really angry or anything. Everyone was like really acceptable to like what was the the film was about, and you know, mm-hmm. they didn't see it as certain way. They may have, but no one said anything.
0: Well, I think if you won, they probably didn't. I think they probably got your meaning. Yeah. And I I think it was, for me to watch, it was very interesting um, to get kind of get a sense and try and figure out, because, you know, you're always, I realized, you know, I had this experience of trying to figure out what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, And there are some really ambiguous situations in there. Like, you know what I mean? Things happen in, in, Mm -hmm. in some situations and there's and you let you let us sit with the ambiguity. Like uh, there's a scene, uh, I don't know how to not talk about it. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to give things away, but um, yeah. where somebody uh, is sleeping and then has a bad incident happen,
2: yeah, and
0: you let the people who are participating in that actually have time to interact with each other yeah Uh, so it was it was really i think beautiful in that sense that nobody was um simple there Mm -hmm. was no simple person in that in that one moment i was just really struck by it and in a short film when you're like i gotta get those beats done the fact that you were able to let it linger i thought was really just a beautiful choice
2: Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I um, I, I I just try to drive certain points home. I guess I like emphasize a little bit on, on the certain points in the film. You know that are uh, the parts that people like. I guess the part the impactful situations, like in the film, I try to you know emphasize a little bit more. You know. <laughs>
1: yeah, and like you have the the I think is his name Thaddeus.
2: Yes, the Thaddeus Junior, Thaddeus so Dickens Junior,
1: Senior and Junior, right? And, and he's yeah. so like a regular in your films. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. So Thaddeus, yeah, he's actually. Uh, I was in the Air Force with him. Oh wow! And yeah, and like, I one day like I found like found out that he lived out here and he lived like San Jose area. I was like, oh wow, that's so cool, you know? Because I was in, the, I remember being in the Air Force with him when I was like twenty one and twenty two. Mm-hmm. We would go out and party and get drunk together and everything. And like I um I hit him up and like we we just we linked back up again and then he was like, Yeah, you know, I would love to to act. Look, like. that's something I would be interested in doing and then like he's been in like pretty much almost all my films except for the documentary, he's had a part of it. Actually in on um, Rebel Child he plays um, multiple roles and nobody really realizes it but he's one of the uh one of the ter- the rebel guys also <laughs> oh, he's all about job, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's got this is that
1: his son?
2: Yeah, that was his son that's that actually son. played the um the main the main character
1: who looks quite Middle Eastern. Yeah,
2: yeah, he does. <laughs> he has a, a different look. You know, that's yeah. why I was like, oh wow, he could actually work.
1: Uh-huh. And that's when I,
2: I hit him and I told him, you know, like, yeah, I, I think that he could do do the role. I think he could do the part. He's a very very intelligent um young young man and young boy, and he's uh <laughs> and he's uh he's a natural. It's like working with him was like really really nice because uh he's a natural.
1: So, yeah, amazing. But two, two of the shots that really stick with me are the repetition of seeing Thaddeus Sr.'s face, right, with the helmet, both yeah. in, in the early shot and uh-huh. then in the later shot, you know, like at the, at the beginning and the end, right, and that, And he has a sort of, this sort of warm, beautiful face. And of course, the fact that he's actually this kid's father is probably like subtextually interesting, interesting, right? But, but it's not obviously in the, in the film. And then the soccer ball, of course, right? Like just that, that, those two things, which are, which go together, I guess, but like just. Mm Woo, you know, and yeah. then you see the arc that you've created. How different yeah. those two moments are.
2: Oh yeah, with the soccer ball, yeah,
1: soccer ball, yeah. and the guys in the soldier's face.
2: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: It's like what's and what's happening at the beginning and at the end.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to. I was I was trying to at first with the whole soccer ball. I wanted to the stat let like make the audience feel as though this is a child. You know, like with the whole soccer where guys soccer a little children like to play soccer you know and i was just thinking you know that just to put that element in there just to give him more of a human you know mm-hmm. as a human characteristic you know that people could relate to
0: you know mm-hmm. and i noticed the the uh person getting sort of i don't know exactly what was happening i guess it was getting a pat down or something mm-hmm. Is That also your producer
2: Yes. Stephen. <laughs> yeah, because we, we actually had a situation on set where we had like extras that didn't show. And I was like, oh, my God, we're, like, what are we going to do? I can't just like not shoot the scene. You know, we got to figure it out. So uh, a couple of like one of that scene in particular, we actually used some of our crew and was like, OK, yeah, we're going we're gonna to dress you up. And, you know, my wife was actually. Even in that that scene, and nobody probably okay. even noticed it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Was she, she was one of the soldiers. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we had the uh, the wardrobe people. Okay, here we go. Let's let's go ahead and dress them up. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, That's we gotta
2: good. do what we gotta do. You know.
1: But you know all of that. I mean, from from the. Um kind of not being able to use dialogue to, mm-hmm. like, each of those moments seems somehow to have ended up contributing to making the film stronger. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's the art of it, like, just, like, yeah, it, here, and the how's going to Creativity and constraint.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, it, like, a lot of times that, like, us as filmmakers, we make films, you know, like, we, we run yeah. into situations, like, on our film, you know, like there's something that's going to alter how we want to try to do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing that separates, um, separates people, I guess, when it comes to making films is being able to improvise.
1: So any advice you would offer to story makers of different stripes, people and, and, and maybe filmmakers specifically, but also just anyone trying to make a, a good or a scary <laughs> moving story?
2: <laughs> um, my advice would be go for it. You know, I say, I say, just make, go out there and make films. You know, like if you have to take your cell phone and go and make a film, if you have an idea, go out there and shoot for it, go ahead and make it happen. You know, because a lot, like a lot of people have ideas. It's all, it's all upon who's going to execute, who's mm-hmm. going to make it, who's going to create that thing first, because a lot of people have the same ideas. A lot of people just mm-hmm. don't act, don't get it completed. You know, that's the main thing is the more you do. More films you do, the more time you put yourself out there. The more opportunities you give yourself mm-hmm. to, um, to make a good film,
1: you know. <laughs> That's great. And how about the difference between documentary and narrative?
2: Um, documentary and narrative. There's a, a lot of difference because a lot of times in documentary, you can have a mapped out plan of what you want. You know, I want my film to be about this, or and but when it comes down to it, it's reality. You know, so. You this it, a lot of things may change, in the the middle of you making your documentary. Mm-hmm. Just like when I was making the Peacemakers documentary, initially it was supposed to be a documentary about the one guy, um, Norman Brown, because he uh, he just told me about the organization, but he also is like a father of like a lot of children. So I was going to call it actually like Father Oakland mm-hmm. or something like that about this guy who is actually the father of all these kids, but he. He goes, and he mentors um, trouble kids like that, you know, as a father figure.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: it turned out I ended up meeting like the, the, the leader of the organization, um, digging deeper into getting access to like the classrooms and a lot of more access to a lot of different people. And it was like, maybe I should just make a whole documentary about this organization.
0: Mm-hmm. So they,
2: it changed just from the footage that I had. You no, know, it it was even like during post production, I'm sitting back and I'm looking at my footage, I'm like, what what can I do here? You know? Because it's like you can plan to to have a film about whatever, but you know, like in documentary just like things aren't gonna they didn't go as planned <laughs> <laughs> but it still turned out it still turned out to be, you know, a documentary. So
1: <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That's, a, that's a theme here. You know, follow. Don't things don't go as planned, but see how they yeah. might go better. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Well, what was that? Gwen said shoot. There's the movie you write, the movie you shoot, and the movie like you have that like, you have yeah. when you get yeah. the editing, and then there's the movie you have. And so, oh, it's yeah, like, oh, okay, yeah. I think we're ready for steal this. All right. It's Based on T. S. Eliot's idea that amateur poets borrow, professional mm-hmm. poets steal. So. Uh, <laughs> What's something that you've come across in your life recently that you would like to steal and make part of your own?
2: Um, something I came across in my life. That but I like liked.
1: something you saw in a film, or something you read, or something um, anything that you just sort of like. Ooh, I'm going to use that somehow.
2: Well, um, I I I kind of like to. One thing that I like to steal, I love to steal shots from from different films. You know, like and do different like ideas that I've seen in other films. It's just like I, I may see a film like, Oh my god, I love that shot. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I'll find a way to incorporate that into what I'm doing. Um I think that a lot a lot of filmmakers steal <laughs> from other filmmakers. It's really not stealing, I think it's putting your own yes. your own your own twist to it, you know.
0: Well, I mean the irony is of course you can't actually steal what someone else does yeah. <laughs> because it's still
2: you doing it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still you doing it. I think it's just like like, I think even with everything, like with musical artists, they're influenced by artists of the past. A lot of times you hear music that's been done in the past and they go out and they just uh, re, they, they, they do it now. You know, it's um, pretty much the same with films. Like a lot of filmmakers take from other filmmakers. It's just like I, I like I like Scorsese. So sometimes I like me. You may see like something in my film that like something that you've seen in a Scorsese film, like done a little bit different.
1: You know? mm-hmm. Do you keep a notebook? How do you remember the things you want to try? Um.
2: Well, when I when I plan, like a lot of times, I I may have like oh the Scorsese shot, you know. I might write it down in my in my on my storyboard, mm-hmm. or you know, like it's just yeah. That's <laughs> pretty much how I would do it. I would just um, plan it into what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, right.
1: Did you yeah. did you use a drone? Like how did you get those? Shot. Oh yeah, two of your films have those like from on high kind of shots.
2: Oh yeah, we um we used a drone. Yeah, I yeah. uh, had a drone operator. He was right. We're like, actually really good. Uh, luckily, that was like some like sometimes when you make these. I think when you make films, it's like everything falls into place for you when you're doing what you like. What in, you're intending to do. Uh, yeah, everything falls into place. So it was like a situation to where my DP knew a drone operator. He just happened to know a drone operator. And the drone operator is like, I just want to come out and bring my drone. It was like, wow. I'm going to just make something (laughs) up up for the shot. shot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So drone. Here's my camera.
1: Let's see what you guys (laughs) got. Angie, what (laughs) do you want to steal
0: this week? Um, <laughs> this week, I actually—you probably can tell from my earlier conversation—I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by trans. <laughs> um, yeah. We actually recently just watched uh, the movie Tintin with our kids.
2: Oh right. Uh, have,
0: have you seen that movie?
2: Uh, no, I haven't. Tintin. You know, it's, it's animated. The about the dog. It's about the dog. That's
0: Not actually Rin t- Tintin. T- I thought that too. Oh okay. Like this, this you know, comic book from the I don't know 30s and 40s that they have made a movie out of. Spielberg was one of the directors on it. And okay. there were just these amazing transitions where, for example, you know, there's a ship, you know, and they're having some kind of imagination. They're, they're, they're lost in the desert and they're having sort of their uh, mirages happening. And there's a ship that mm-hmm. breaks through the sand and it's really gorgeous, but it lands in a puddle and a foot steps on it. And, it, mm. you know, so it becomes very small. And what, what was once the distance now literally is size and it plays with perspective in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, the thing that I'm working on really has no place for that kind of transition. Um, but I'm fascinated with that. And I rewatched, um, Paradiso last night mm-hmm. and there's a beautiful tra- time transition where someone has their f- hand, I'm going to do this to Elizabeth, someone has their hand on, this, on the little boy's face and when he takes it away, it's a young man. Oh wow. And it's, and it's just, it gives you that wonderful transition of time. But you, yeah. but it's not a weird fade across hand thing. It's, it's the hand and then it, comes and
2: then it, the, the face changes. Physical, physical oh, transition.
0: Wow. It's very neat. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: how they do Wow. Oh, yeah. That
2: sounds very, that, that sounds amazing. Like I can't wait to see it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what are you stealing? I am literally stealing. Um, I've been talking with some of my students and friends about, um, Showing and telling, and when you tell, and especially in prose on the page, I think um, there's in some ways there's been more telling happening, like a resurgence. Like I think it used to it used to happen that storytellers and novelists, you know, would tell the background or tell whatever, and then I think we got very suspicious of like that kind of authoritarian god voice or whatever. And I think it's coming back. And my friend and I were saying maybe it's coming back because um, because it's one of the things television can't do so well. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and so what are we like, what, like, if this is the golden age of television and that's where all this amazing writing is happening, like what's happening in like book writing that, you know, that yeah. can't be happening in television. And I think that's one of the things. So anyway, you I don't think it's the disturbed sense of the government per-
0: infiltrating <laughs> all of our lives to such a degree that we no longer have our own privacy. Well, how
1: would that, how would that bring out telling? Well, cause you were talking about the omniscient. Mm -hmm. So you 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 think there's a reintroduction of the sense of omniscience. It used to be God and now it's the government. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's another theory. I'm going to go with golden age of television. (laughs) You go with government surveillance. Anyway, so I found, so I looked at, um, Catherine Brady has this book called Story Logic and the Craft of Fiction. And it turns out she has this brilliant chapter on showing and telling. So I revisited that and she really digs into like when you might want to tell and when telling can be as complicated as showing where the reader's still having to figure things out and make decisions about it and how it's raising the stakes and anyway, so it's super complicated. But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna basically use that to structure my class for next week. I'm just gonna I mean I'm gonna give her full credit so it's not exactly feeling, but I'm just like go Kate Brady. Yes. Thanks (laughs) so much. So the last question is if people want to find out more about you, where should
0: they go?
2: Um, well, you can actually go to my website, which is uh, www.juan-davis.com. Okay. And pretty yeah. much, most of, the, most of the time, I do updates on uh, when my next film is screening or like I put my new projects up there. Also, links to my old projects are also up there. So you can just go to um, that website and, uh, yeah, you can pretty much find me. Um, my Twitter. Uh, at the one Juan Davis uh, is my Twitter handle. You can um, follow me on Twitter, um, Facebook. Mm-hmm. You can uh, follow me on Facebook, www.facebook.com/slash director.wan.davis.
1: Nice. <laughs> I love it. We nice. All of that will be in the show notes, yes. too. So all right. thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. It's just such a pleasure. All right. To
2: Thanks. Talk it was a pleasure. It yeah,
1: it's so good to talk cast. to you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> All right, y'all have a great listen one. I. <laughs> okay, I will. I right. definitely will. <laughs> All right. Bye.
2: Bye. Great,
0: great talking to y'all.